Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. E-S-N-Y. We got to talk about it, man. Yeah, I don't want to. I know. <laughs> What's up, folks? It is Bleacher Creatures, the episode number 147, brought to you as always by Elite Sports NY, the voice, the pulse of New York City sports, part of XL Media, Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. <clears throat> I, I'm clearly coming down with something because... Dude, there's no way, other way to put it. The the ALCS was some of the most sickening baseball I've seen in my life. Yeah, probably the worst thing I've ever watched. I see. I almost started cursing thirty seconds in. So, yeah, because uh, like let, let, let's let's take this back to the 2012 ALCS when the Yankees also got swept by the Tigers. That one, okay, there was at least fight in the first game, and then once Jeter went down, everyone everyone knew it's like we're done. Yeah, but like the thing right. is, like with those mid. Not mid, those 2010 teams, like you knew that age was an issue. They were kind of like they were shooting, like they were fighting above their weight class, kind of where it's like this isn't yeah. really, it's not really sustainable. Um, right. I don't know. Sorry, the Capo Caco just had an insane move to the net, didn't score. Now I'm pissed. Um, <laughs> but like, you, you like, I don't know there was a weird feeling around those teams because they were in that middle ground where they were too good to tank, even though tanking is not really a thing in baseball. Um, they were too good to be a bottom feeder, but not good enough to be a serious contender for the World Series. And yeah. I don't know, maybe this Yankees team is starting to trend in that direction because I think they're in a uh, they're approaching a crossroads rather quickly and. Yeah, I don't know. The, like the team, I never thought I'd say this after a year where we saw one of the hitters put up a historic season, but the team just is boring. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, boring, boring, boring. You know what's going to happen. It's not even just boring. Like, the Yankees in the playoffs, with the exception of 2009, they've become predictable. Like, yeah. Ever, ever, ever since the 2004 collapse, it seems that like there's always this – Maybe it's PTSD, but it's almost like this sort of anxiety about the Yankees. Okay, how are the bats going to fall asleep this time? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's it's in completely frustrating. It's almost insulting because yeah. it's like, you know, this is going to be the year, no excuses. And then what do they do? They come up with a ton of excuses and or mocked throughout the baseball world. Right. right you, so. you, I, I think we look, we could say this right now. There's, there's no confirmation of this, obviously, but just the way that Boone was talking about the pitching changes and bullpen management about why the Yankees weren't playing so well. It's very obvious that he is being fed numbers by Cashman at this point, And he is living and dying by said numbers. 
Yeah. Would, now, now that said, you can be a manager in baseball and succeed that way. Case in point, Dave Roberts. Yep. Like, like John Jaskremski said at, on his reaction podcast right after game four, like you can be a bad manager and make the World Series and point it right to Dave Roberts. And the sad part is like with, with managers, we say this all the time. It's not how, it's how many. Uh, a manager is measured by wins. Aaron Boone has won 60% of his games as Yankees manager. Mm-hmm. So as much of a problem as he is, let's talk about the bigger problem, man. Brian Cashman. Yeah. Analytics, there's utility to that. You've taught them. You probably use them as a college player. But at the same time, you also understood like, okay, I need to rely on my own instincts as a player to see, okay, what's actually going to work here beyond the numbers. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, I think at the end of my college career, my senior year was when our program really started dabbling into the analytics and talking about bat speed and exit velos and stuff. And in a, like, in an attempt to be like a team player and be fully on board with it and stuff, I messed with my swing and I never recaptured it, you know, I for that season. Like I, I had come off a really good junior year. My senior year was nowhere near as good as that. Would, my senior year was the worst season I had since my freshman year. Like, you know, and I just kind of messed up my swing. I wasn't in a good place where I felt comfortable and you see that I think with the team now it's they're you know, and Michael K said it best. It's like they're getting handcuffed with these analytics and, and what like exit velos they need to be. Like you want a perfect example of a guy who plays to his strength is you look at the guy who was on the other team, look at Alex Bregman. And you've heard me harp on this time and time again, yep. Alex Bregman is dangerous on inner third heaters and all he's going to do is pull home runs i think he hit his first oppo field home run this year like so but all he does is pull pull side pull side pull side and what does he do he works counts to force the pitcher in now i what i don't understand is like at some points especially in this off or in this playoffs like walking him was not the end of the world in any of the situations like that three-run home run that he hit against you know, Severino, it's like, why are we throwing that fastball in, in that spot? Like, you don't have to give in to him in these situations because you're playing right into his game plan, right? So right. some guys are going to say, I know what I'm good at, and I'm going to stick to that yeah. respectfully. I don't know who in the Yankees lineup has that kind of, like, approach or idea. You know, like Aaron Judge is good at everything. You know, he knows what he can't hit and he's good at laying off those pitches. But everyone else, like, I don't know. Stanton's good at hitting for power, but he makes questionable decisions. Like, like all these guys. Uh, and let, let's be, a, let's give a little more grace to DJ LeMay here just because A, he was hitting on one foot the last two months of the season. And yeah. B, people, quick, people quickly forget in July before he hurt his toe, he was batting 340 that month. Like old school DJ LeMay, he was back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's a perfect example where, you know, a guy who is lying drives sprayed across the field. He doesn't have to give you a ton of power. And, you know, yeah, like I, I have no issue with that whole rant. You know, I actually wasn't even thinking of DJ LeMayu because in the later half of the season or into the playoffs, he was just a non-factor because of his injury. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, I don't know. It, it, I don't know where they go from here because 
they have so much money tied into these guys that I find it difficult to believe they're going to be able to move out from some of them. So I'm actually glad you brought this up because Brian Hoke was on was on WFAN yesterday. Mm-hmm. And here I'm, I'm pulling up a thread because uh, he, he retweeted the thread because one, one of his quotes got taken out of context. Uh, he just wanted he just wanted to shore that up. Uh, here I'm finding it. It was from last night. Okay, yeah. So he said, "This is close to what I said, but not a verbatim quote." I do believe this year's team cared. Of course, they've been getting swept in the four the way they did is a different vibe from than a six or seven game ALCS. The context there is that in 2017 and 2019, after the Houston losses, I saw CC Sabathia and Brett Gardner crying. This time around, players in the clubhouse were just like, "Wow, they smoked us." I don't think the heartbreak was there. And so from a playing standpoint, to me, like I understand why he's trying to put that back in context because it's clear, like, okay, obviously the players care. They could, they just got swept. They are just kind of, there's a collective shock that, oh my God, it happened. Yeah. And so anyway, Hope that says, I believe that the Yankees are going to make Brian Cashman an offer to return. I don't have a clear read on what Cashman's feeling is, but the Steinbrenners want him back. I expect Boone to be back next year. Hal Steinbrenner already confirmed today that Aaron Boone is indeed coming back. You talked about the contracts, Alec. Let's talk about Josh Donaldson. If you're going to move Josh Donaldson, you're going to package a decent prospect to move that money. I don't see the Yankees doing that considering they stood by Donaldson and talked to him during the postseason. So uh, Cam, our friend in our Yankees group chat, also did us the favor and, oh, God, this is infuriating, of every pitch that Josh Donaldson oh, took. Oh, that was me. Oh, that was you? That was I me. Thought, I sent that. Oh, I thought Cam I was the one. I was the one who said, do you want to see something that will make you angry? And you're like, no, but you're going to send it anyway. But, yeah, so let me let me ask you this. Josh Donaldson is old. He, he's 37 next year. And it's clear that this season something was not right. However, he's a, he's clearly a selfish player. He's got a high opinion of himself next year is technically a contract year does he have that selfishness to reach down and really just go off you think no because i think whatever needs to change like i think his issues stem from like his age of being like he's too old the bat speed has slowed down to a certain extent but the okay oh, okay so, so i'm sorry to interrupt R- riddle me this though the bat speed has slowed down but what if we find out like I've like I've speculated when we'll see the Yankees end via press conference, probably after the World Series. Um, he's been he was playing hurt all year and like, oh, he needs shoulder surgery. So now that he's gonna have that strength back in that shoulder, he can actually push forward with his usual power. I I would have a hard time believing that because I feel like the simple thing he could have done, and you know, look, hitters are creatures of habit. It is a hard thing to change in the middle of a season, but his issues seem to stem big time from timing. Like, yes, I think, I think that leg kick has gotten audacious and gotten in the way of his swing where like it needs to change. Like, and like, let's be honest, he was a good hitter for a number of years. He was an elite hitter for like two. Right. So if we're trying to bank and, you know, the guy I knew in the major leagues, he had his best season to date where he, you know, hit 30 plus home runs. And I mentioned like, that's going to secure him a job in the major leagues for, you know, the next three years, let's say. Yeah. So 
Donaldson is just riding that pretty much that he had an MVP season and that nothing needs to change, but obviously something is just not working. I'm like, if you look, I was, when I was watching that video, I sent into the group, I noticed, and I, and I could just be bullshitting here. I don't know, but it seemed to me that if that video was recorded in sequential order of the season, where the beginning of the video is at the beginning of the season and so forth. Sure. The first half of that video his timing looked way off. It looked like his foot was getting down late. That's why he was looking at a lot of fastballs down the middle. But then as the video progressed, his timing seemed to get better. He seemed to be getting his foot down. But then the issue arose that he can't hit a curveball apparently anymore. Like, yeah. he, I don't know how many times he buckled at a slider or a curveball. And then everything else was just like he was swinging through the fastball. And, you know, I, I don't know if he was getting under it or what, but like, what was his stats? He was 0 for 16 with 13 or with 10 Ks or something like that. Like, not I don't good. know. Yeah, it, it was not good. And then Aaron well, Boone lies to our faces saying he's getting on base and stuff when he's had. Well, in, in, in fairness, at one point he was getting on base in the playoffs at a 40% clip. So Boone wasn't exact, wasn't, wasn't fully BSing us there, but it was, he was, tr- he was bending over backwards to put Donaldson over. I, I, I just don't get that. I mean, to to me, this screams systemic issues within within Brian Cashman's office because this is the last thing we'll share from Hoke. Um, and what we'll, this is about everyone's favorite conversation topic, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. So this was Hoke on Kiner Falefa. It was gaslighting gaslighting with IKF. We saw it with our own eyes. There was a reason they benched him earlier in the postseason. They knew it. So to me, that is one hundred percent. Like when someone not just from any beat, but from Major League Baseball's official beat for your team, is coming out saying, this organization was basically gaslighting us on this one topic. How, as an owner, how does that, how does that not raise a ginormous red flag? Like, I understand Hal Steinbrenner's an absentee guy and probably doesn't pay 100% attention, but that that's not a good look, man. Whenever a writer uses the term gaslighting to describe a front office, you never want to hear that, ever. Yeah. And look, I, I firmly believe that IKF is a capable major league player. Sure. I think the issue is that he was a terrible fit in New York because his light bat wasn't being covered by anyone else because his light bat was packaged with three other light bats in that lineup. So if you had like, you know, if you had a series of guys who could carry their weight and maybe carry a little bit of extra weight like maybe the josh donaldson we thought we were gonna get yeah who could have hit 25 home runs or whatever and then a healthy stan who didn't hit you know below his body weight you know then it's like okay you can kind of take ikf ikf's bat in the lineup where it is and maybe maybe you suffered through the defense but the yankees just had no margin of error to work with like and and that brings serious questions in how the team is constructed. And then, like again, what you said, like Steinbrenner sitting there and watching the manager and the GM just gaslight its fan base, saying no, IKF is a good defender when he's not. No. And like you know, again, like that's why you could kind of maybe be okay with Donaldson's lack of production because he actually provided value on the other side of the ball. IKF didn't do anything good enough to excuse the bad parts of his game. It's just wild how between Donald now, now 
this is the interesting paradox of it all because Brian Cashman got full control of the Yankees roster. We'll say like like 2012, 2013 at or about there. Cause like up, cause if you read the Yankee years around 2005, 2006, that's when he got the green light to start incorporating analytics. But even then like George was on the decline. And so he was answering to some contingent of Hal, Hank, Randy Levine, Zillow, a, a bunch of other executives. It was pretty much like appearing before a council. Yeah. So then finally, George passes away 2010. And then around two, from what I recall, 2012, 13, um, he gets the keys to the kingdom, essentially. So looking back from that time period and on, it's very hard to find a decision in terms of player acquisition that Brian Cashman has made that has been objectively bad. He's made mistakes. Case in point, the Aaron Hicks contract. Yeah. But at no point can you look back at a move he made and gone like, what on God's green earth is this man thinking? Like, what is he thinking with this deal? Like Clay Holmes, it's more like we didn't really know much about him. So that, so we didn't know whether that was a good or a bad move. But across the board, in terms of decision-making, Brian Cashman has made solid pickups, at, le- at least at face value. Well, I... Maybe at face value, but then when you go a little bit digger or deeper into digging like the the skeleton out of the dirt, it's like yeah. It, you you see, I think I, I feel like they've been targeting guys who are supposed to have high ceilings, but really low floors. It yeah, which kind of bleeds in, bleeds into the next point. It's yeah, you, you there's utility to analytics. In building a winning team, especially for the regular season, like that, like follow the numbers, you can probably build a winning program for a 162 game season. And then they say, oh, the playoffs are a crapshoot. But that's just that's not entirely how it works. Aside from using those numbers, you need to go off of instincts. You need to be a little more aggressive. You need to get that feel for the game. You need to be willing to take certain amounts of risks, not just, okay, play by the numbers and hope that they hit. This is baseball, not a casino. It's not roulette. Yeah. I mean, the, the one guy who I feel like, and maybe maybe it's because he hit the best, but like, I think the best example of the guy that they should have been like, they should always be targeting is the Harrison Bader. Right. Right. A guy whose ceiling is not too high, whose floor is not too low. You have a general idea of what you're going to get out of him. Now, granted, like his postseason performance was impressive and I didn't expect that from a guy like him, but he was the only guy who had some fight up there at the plate, you know? And I think that I, I feel like that's what's different between the Yankees and teams like the Astros where Astros get those Harrison Bader types who are not flashy who are not the elite, but when it's time to get the job done, they get the job done. Like, who the hell is Chaz fucking McCormick? Yeah. Who's Chaz McCormick? And and he was better than Judge. He was better than Stanton. He was better than Rizzo. He was better than every single hitter on the New York Yankees except for Harrison Bader. Why don't the Yankees have players like that? Why can't they fill out their lineup with scrappy dudes like that who are going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Instead, we got assholes like Glaber Torres who are going to swing out of their shoes and not do the job that they're supposed to do. There is no cohesiveness in the Yankee lineup. 
And then meanwhile, when the media asks, hey, like, why isn't this working? What are the we saw this with oh god, with like Andy Martino and Randy Miller coming out with pieces like this. Oh, the front office wants to make it more enjoyable to be a Yankee. Like, like what kind of shit is that? Be more enjo- enjoyable win. Yeah, win World Series, and you're gonna really see what it's like to be a New York Yankee. It's like, like, like how is this lost on them? I don't understand how. I mean. It's just very frustrating because like, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same task over and over and over again, hoping that you're going to get a different result. Brian Cashman has had this model. He has had five years, five, to build off of 2017 ALCS Game 7. What has he done with it? He has done nothing. Okay, okay, two trips to the ALCS. That's great. 2019 was juice balls. This year, we got our asses handed to us. This team has not built off of it. It is a problem, and something has to change, Alec. I don't know what it is, but whether Brian Cashman is there or isn't, he has to change the way he does things. That you you can't you can't build for a great regular season. Which, let's be honest, other than that terrific start to the season, the Yankees did not have a great regular season. They did. They played played 500 ball. Yeah, their last 100. They were technically under. Yeah, they were 15 51 after the 52 and 18 start or whatever it was. Like, you can't be building for a great regular season and, ju- and then just think the playoffs are a crapshoot because you know what? Game seven is a crapshoot, game six is a maybe a crapshoot. An entire ALCS series is not a crapshoot. You're not going to have a four to seven game crapshoot to get to the World Series. It's, no, that's not how it works. No, here's what I'm going to say. The playoffs are a crapshoot because the Phillies are the number six seed there in the World Series. But you know how you make how you fight against a crapshoot? You work to make the odds better in your favor. You don't just rely on certain numbers that you've relied on all the time. You say, okay, these numbers are good. How do I use them to make myself even more more like the favorite? Like yeah, what then, what like, aggressive move can we what like risk can we take that's yeah. going to maybe give us that edge? Yeah, I mean like I'm like and what did what moves did the Phillies make, right? If you if you want to backtrack to the last 3 to 5 years or whatever, what they do? They got Harper, they got Wheeler, they got Syndergaard, they got Schwarber, right? Yeah. And who were the big players to get them to the World Series? All of those guys plus Hoskins plus Nola. So Two homegrown yep. talents in Hoskin and Nola. Yeah. And then you get the guy who apparently the Yankees didn't think they needed, who has had who has I, I'm like, I'm not gonna go too bad. I'm more mad at the Yankees for not getting Manny Machado than uh than well, Bryce Harper. Well, I mean, like, regardless of who you think they should have gone after, the big names that the Yankees have been linked to for the last five years, or we'll say four years. Were guys playing in the NLCS and were being productive. Manny, Juan Soto, Bryce Harper. Like, and 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 then you think that you can just say, okay, we have Aaron Judge, we have a 32-year-old Anthony Rizzo, and we have the Colossus of Swing and Miss, Giancarlo Stanton. Now, don't get me wrong, Stanton is a very has has historically been very productive in the postseason for the Yankees. I am yes. willing to give him the benefit of some doubt because I don't care what he does in the regular season. It's what he does in the postseason, which also leads to another point is I think it's perfectly acceptable for Yankee fans to boo Aaron judge because I don't give a shit. If you hit 62 home runs, like that's cool. But the whole point, and you said it yourself, the whole point is if you don't win the world series, the season is a failure. Where were you? 
Yeah. So, I mean, at that point, he's 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 not Aaron Judge. He's Alex, he's Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. The big names play up to the big moments. We saw that with the Phillies, right? They had they they built the team to give them a shot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they have two absolute workhorses in Wheeler and Nola, plus a swingman in Syndergaard. And then you have Schwarber, Real Muto, Harper, Hoskins, Boehm. Like, like, again, like, so you look at guys like Boehm or Gene Segura, guys with not very high ceilings, but guys with not very low floors. They are steady. You get what they're, you're going to do. They're gamers. Know. They're gamers. They're, they're dogs, right? They're going to yeah. go out there and they're going to fight and they're going to battle for every pitch. Yankee players, and maybe it's the analytics that are just messing with their minds, Yankee players after the first or second pitch look like they give up if they didn't get what they were looking for. I mean, I I, I respect that they want to be aggressive on the first couple of pitches just because that's been the name of the game recently. But the system is not working. Now, I this actually I want to get I want to get your take on this. I thought about this earlier uh, earlier today. Next year the shift is gone. A lot of times this year with the Yankees, I saw them get burned by like the far right shift or just someone playing up the middle. I wonder if, assuming Judge resigns, which honestly I still think he's going to, um, although I'm not exactly enthusiastic about as enthusiastic about it as I was earlier. Um, assuming the lineup very much stays the same. And all of a sudden you're getting those hits up the middle. You're getting, you're like getting those little sneaky singles through the hole. Like that's got to probably up the confidence in a lot. It's like, okay, at least now that we have increased odds of getting on base via putting the ball in play, as opposed to getting burned by some fluky got some fluky, like Santiago Espinal playing directly up the middle where it should be like a single right to center field. You got to hope that's going to give, give the guys an extra bounce in their step. Maybe, but that just sounds like another excuse. It's not meant to. I sorry, I didn't mean to no, phrase no, no, it like I, an excuse. I just like that you got to figure. But if 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 the Yankees are looking at that change as hey things are going to be different next year, there's another fundamental issue with that organization. If if they want to use that, well, once the shift's gone, guys like Rizzo are going to get a few more base hits, or, or like you know some balls are going to fall. It's like well. You don't see the Astros making an excuse for that. You don't see the Phillies making an excuse like that. You know, it, no, they're just going out and hitting. Yeah. It's like everyone is, has been playing on the same field. The shift isn't disproportionately against the Yankees. Dude, you know? sh- shifting back to the Astros, what made this, what made losing to this team all the more frustrating, and you saw this as well as I did, of all the Astros dynasty teams, we'll say, so for like 2015 and on, this is easily their worst team that's made the playoffs. Alvarez and Altuve didn't do shit. They didn't. It was the bottom of the lineup that did everything. The bottom of the lineup plus Alex Bregman. Yeah. And, and Jeremy Pena. Which, yeah, like Pena's a stud. He's probably, I would think, coming second place in American League Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Like, and I had him on the fantasy team and he was fantastic. Um, yeah. But, like, that again, why can't the Yankees have that kind of depth? Why can't they have kids like that? Like, like talk they, about- they do have that depth. They just don't use it. Esteban Florial has been in the minors for 11,000 years, it seems like. Chance <laughs> Adams, our top pitching prospect for so long, stashed in the minors, comes to the majors. He's out of baseball right now. Yeah. Oh, God. I used to, I, I was so high on Chance Adams. I thought he was. So was I. Yeah. I like, 
the Yankees are at a crossroads. And a part of me thinks that if they re-sign Judge, they're dooming themselves to the same fate as this year for the next however long that contract's going to be. Like I like like let him walk, have an excuse to blow up that lineup. You have the pitching. Yes. Like, like you can keep the pitching. That that alone is probably going to keep you competitive. But give meaningful at bats to the core that you think is going to be your next future. You can't keep giving these meaningful at bats to washes like like Donaldson. They're washed up. Like like move on from the old guard. Yeah. And give Peraza, give Cabrera. When Volpe is ready, give him a shot. When Dominguez is ready, give him a shot. Like that. Like I'm I'm afraid they're going to resign Judge. They're going to hand handcuff themselves. Now again, I'm not saying that they shouldn't necessarily try to resign Judge. I mean, homegrown talent. Dude has the possibility of just doing historic stuff year in and year out, but. I just I won't be surprised that if they do re-sign him, we're not going to get much different from this organization. That they're that it's going to give them a false sense of optimism that oh next year is going to be different. Oh the year after that's going to be different. Now this is the year where we're going to put it all together. I like I I don't know. It's very hard to trust this front office right now because it's it's from my point of view. <clears throat> It is now glaringly obvious that Hal Steinbrenner is involved on an as-needed basis because he's so desperate to not be his father. Brian Cashman, he clearly has some understanding of analytics, just no idea how to apply them. And the Yankees, they're just oh I'm getting it's I don't want to say I'm getting sick of always bridesmaid, never a bride. It'd be it'd be different if they were getting to the playoffs and competing in every series is if they're, if they're grinding things out and like, okay, one, all right, it's one, one mistake and they lose. Okay, great. But at least they're putting up a fight. The worst performance I've seen from the Yankees in the playoffs by a wide margin, man, it, it was almost, it, it was unacceptable. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. I like, I like, I don't know what else there, there needs to be said on it. Like it, was just unacceptable and it's 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 even worse because who besides brian cashman do you trust to re-sign aaron judge i can't think of anybody i don't know like the you know what i'm gonna throw this out there i may have said this on the show before but we'll find out the miami marlins they just hired Skip Schumacher as their manager, right? Right. To me, that that screams, okay, we just want a puppet for the front office or like just someone who's gonna take the lumps. And if he does well with the team, great. If not, great, we will we're not paying him much anyway. We're gonna let him go and then find someone else. I mean, the the, the fact that Schumacher got the job over Joe Espada and and like Pedro Griefel. I I don't need to go into why that's a terrible hire, but reason why I bring up the Marlins, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh man. Allergies are killing me. What if Kim Ang came to the Yankees? Because 
she's clearly her own person. She knows her stuff. She used to work for Brian Cashman. And she understands, like, okay, like, I am building a team, but, like, let the man let the manager do it. Now, yeah. granted, the, the Marlins haven't been good under her just because, well, they're the Marlins, but it's clear that she and Jeter were working in tandem and had a vision for what was going to make the team good. They were they were stockpiling young arms. They were, as the siren goes off, how rude. Uh, <laughs> they were going off, they were developing young talent. Yeah, they they were doing what you were supposed to do, and now it looks like the Marlins are just going to become well, the Marlins again, but just this time under Bruce Sherman. They're going to waste one of the best pitchers in the National League, and Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, like, yeah. I I mean, yeah, I, I would love to see a a group fronted by Jeter, and I, I can't say what. How do you pronounce your last name? Ang. Ang. Okay. Yeah, it always throws me off. Um, I would love to see a group of those two spearheaded to become the next Yankees front office because, yeah, I think they could do some good things. And I'm not saying that because Jeter is legacy. I just like, you know. Having Jeter, because one thing you you hear about Jeter, you heard this in the captain a lot, is that, oh, like he's just so focused on winning. Yeah. Which, okay, yeah, he is focused on winning. So are the fans to to an absolute fault. But at the same time, just like having someone in the building. Now, now granted, Cashman was there for this too, just to drive home like, hey, 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 you want to win here in New York? And here's why. I was on the field. You want to know, this is what it felt like, just being on the field for that final out of a World Series, just playing through the World Series, just working together as a group, me, Paul O'Neill, Posada, Bernie Williams, Mo, Pettit, that whole group just coming together being like, okay, we we've been to the world series before let's get back there again yeah yeah i mean god that that article that came out about how yankees players are were complaining about the hostility they were facing i i don't buy that for a second that sounds like front office spin to me or just like an out and out lie well like i mean like which one's worse then players actively believing that or the front office trying to convince fans that it's their fault that the Yankees are can't succeed in a pressure cooker, you know. I mean, I I don't doubt that some fan that some players were absolutely thrown off by the booing, like and, that yeah, would, be, and would be shocked I mean, by it. But I I don't think I don't think it was like as much of a, as much of a problem as it's being magnified to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I mean, the these these players, I guess, just don't understand that aspect of, yeah, the the fans in this city are going to boo you when you underperform. And it's not so much as like underperforming. It's when you are just outright embarrassed, when you're not even in the same league as the team you're playing against. Yeah. Like, but, but when you win, like when, when, when you win, it's it's, intoxicating. Yes. It's, it's the great, it, it, it puts you on cloud nine. Like, I, I don't I don't understand like how that if that if there is a disconnect in that in the front office in the franchise in the locker room how they just miss that. I mean, Michael K said it best before he walked everything back um, today. It, yeah, like yesterday. Yesterday he shifted the focus to the players, and today he was just talking about the Martino piece and how like. Oh well, like the players have to show up. Players have to show up, and at the end on Monday, he's ripping Brian Cashman a new one. 
Well, um, is he walking it back or is he just kind of progressing through the narrative, you know? <laughs> Uh, I he's, do, he's, I do. he's progressing through the narrative, but he's also just like not being as critical as the of the front office as he should be. Well, I think I... both things can be true. Yes, front yes, office needs to be better, but so do the players. Like, well, yeah, well, yeah, because because um, Kay said this too. He goes, "Oh, like every team uses analytics. The Yankees have to get better analytics," and he's absolutely right because yeah. it's clear that while they understand the numbers they aren't they don't really know how to quite apply them now with pitching they do yes like like i will trust brian cashman to build a pitching staff in his sleep in a coma probably even from beyond the grave it's halloween we're gonna throw that one in there (laughs) so but now you have to think okay who's working under him like like we go on and on about tim naring the vp of player development who's been with the team, I think since 2007. And, and he gets, he's the guy who gets the credit for finding Didi Gregorius. Yeah. But Michael Case also said how Tim Nairing is more of an eye test guy. Yeah. I mean, there's, they got to find that balance. They, they got to let players just be players. As I think Michael K said. Um, yeah. Like, don't, don't worry about the Yankee way or whatever. Just like, okay. Yeah. It's a uniform. Like just put on the uniform, go out and play. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't don't ha- don't have the PR team handle everyone with kid gloves. Yeah, I agree. Um, and never again use 2004 as a motivation. Totally. Oh my! Oh like, god! Like K K was on point. If if the old man was still alive, some like mm. someone or some people would have been fired. I hope the old man is rolling in his grave. That that was disgusting, man. Like. Because like, don't, don't get me wrong, I, I, I understand how what I understand the mindset of okay, you know what, like maybe use this is like yeah, like you know what, like this has been done before, but uh, read the room, yeah, and it's like it's like Michael K said, it's like the L.A. Kings did it on their way to the Stanley Cup, like you couldn't have used them, like I know it's hockey, but you got to use the Red Sox. Ugh. I mean, I'm like the, the jokes are writing themselves now with this with this organization, and it's yeah. really concerning. Like, really concerning that there is a level of yeah. tone deafness that is just to me is unacceptable. Andy it, Martino also said on his in I don't know if this was a TV appearance or a separate article, but he what was it that he said. I can't remember, but he did say something along the lines of like, I think Michael K had reached out to some of the guys from the 04 Yankees team and they were like outraged by it. Yeah. I'm like, well, like, yeah, like that's like, you, you kind of know the kinds of players that 04 team had. So like, you know, you know, a guy like Jeter and Bernie, Right, Bernie was still on that team then. Uh, yeah, Bernie was on the O four team. Yeah, the co- the core four was still intact. The core four can have honestly earned the right to sit back and rest on their laurels, but they're still going to point at that season and say, or that postseason and say, that was an utter embarrassment, and we are ashamed. Yeah, because they're they're competitors. Yeah, they they're gamers, like we just they're, said. They're gamers. They play with pride. 
yeah. not at, like for the Yankees organization, but for themselves. And it, it's probably going to stick with them to the day they all die that I, they were part of that team that blew a 3-0 series lead to their arch rival. Yeah, and nothing's ever been the same since. Like, they, like since then, the Astros have become the Yankees, and the Yankees have become the Red Sox. Yep. Like, they've become the team that tries so hard and just always comes up short. And yep. then oh, now, like, you got to wait. Okay, well, the Red Sox, it was hiring Theo Epstein. It was getting David Ortiz. It was it was getting rid of Dan Duquette, who, like, tried so hard to play catch-up with the Yankees and failed miserably. And then Theo Epstein comes in, starts playing by the numbers, start, he pretty much plays Moneyball, applies the analytics properly. Yep. Talk on my hands a bit here. And the rest is history. We all know how the story goes. Like, I remember what Andy Martino said. Apparently, uh, Hal Steinbrenner wants Brian Cashman to come back, but it, he said it would take a, he used the term fan mutiny to make him, to make him reconsider. Hal, I know you're not listening to this. Open Twitter, man. Like, yeah. open anything in Yankees Twitter from the last five years. Listen to what the crowd was chanting after game three. The crowd was chanting fire Cashman at Yankee Stadium. The fans are sick of this guy. The players are probably sick of this guy, too. Yeah. What is it going to take to let him go? Like, what, what, does, what skeletons are you hiding in your closet that Brian Cashman is threatening to unleash that you can't tell him, you know what, thanks for 25 years on the job, here's a watch, go away? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, everyone has a shelf life, and Cashman has far exceeded the expiration date of his own. That's just it. Like it's not like he it's not like he makes bad moves. It's just he doesn't do he doesn't build off of them. He like, he he makes acquisitions, <laughs> like puts them into the mech into the mechanics of whatever his machine is and hopes that th that it doesn't blow up. I mean, the Yankees survived moving on from Joe Torrey. They can survive moving on from Brian Cashman. Exactly. So no man is too good at his job to be let go. No. Absolutely not. I don't know. This off this off season is going to be very uneasy. Uh, speaking of the off season, let's let's tr let's try and end this on a high note. Um, apparently, Jameson Tyone has said he'd be he'd be interested in a reunion. What do you think about that? Um, let's see. They already got Severino, Cole, Montas, Nestor, and Nestor. So there's the five spot open that was supposed to be for Clark Schmidt, but the the more I watch of him, man, the more I think he's a middle reliever. I'm sorry, yeah. Like, I'm I'm a, I might be alone on an island there. I he's not starter material. He just no. I'm I'm I mean, <laughs> my opinion changed. I think after that postseason. Um, mm, I was thinking. I was thinking it about towards the end of the season when he was making those spot starts. Yeah. Like, I understand that he was working with literally half a lineup and wasn't really being set up for success, but for a first round pitcher, a first round pitcher out of the SEC, no less from South Carolina, which is, we know it's a pitching factory practically yeah. for him to come out that heralded out of an equally heralded program. I don't know. I think he would, I, I think I just expected more of him uh, under that, under those circumstances. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I would of all the guys that they could have like maybe maybe you kind of give 
Schmidt the inside track for that start, but or for that spot, and maybe you just get Tyone to be an emergency plan, like backup plan. I mean, like I don't know. I think. Well, hear me out on this one. I think that it makes sense to bring Tyone back, not on like a mega deal because he he only made five point eight million dollars last year, and and he pitched well, but not not well enough to command. I think twenty million, let alone even fifteen. I think if you can sign Tyone for let's say four to five years at twelve to fifteen million dollars a year, that's a perfectly reasonable contract. I also think with Schmidt, he's still young enough that we mentioned earlier, like having to package Donaldson with the top prospect. I think you could put Donaldson, Schmidt, Hicks, and and maybe Peraza, depending on how you feel about Volpe. Mm-hmm. Uh in a trade that's it's not going to get you a big return back, but it's at least going to get your respectable return back. And yeah, you'll have to, you'll have to cover some money obviously, yeah. but Brian Cashman, this is one of those instances where he's going to have, he has no choice, but to bite the bullet and eat some money, like swallow your pride. If you're even in charge. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, but but Tyone, like he, I think he could be he he'd be fine coming back. It's and plus it sounds like he's willing to take a hometown discount. Yeah, I mean, like I like him as a pitcher, and I and yeah, I think he could be a a perfectly serviceable fifth guy. Um, but we'll see. We'll, yeah, I mean, he doesn't walk anybody when all his pitches are working. He's very good. Yeah. Oh god, and and being friends with Cole helps. Oh, dude, Cole is so sad about be about being out. I I would like I was watching um his wife Amy's Instagram story earlier. He was uh building a fire at their place. I think they're I think they're still in Greenwich, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was building a fire, and uh, their two year old son Caden was helping him with it. And he was like giving instructions on how to do it. And you could just see, like, maybe this is just Cole being kind of a monotone guy, but the, just the way he was giving the kid instructions, that ugh, that that was a defeated man, dude. Yeah, yeah. I felt I felt so bad for him. Yeah, I, it's like I, you're, you're six foot five and can throw a fastball hundred miles an hour and hitters fear you. You deserve better than to be sitting on the floor building a fire right now. I agree. I agree, but you know the Yankees refused to build a competent team around a pretty strong, you know, rotation. So, stop with the small market garbage, like Don LaGreca said. Just, just stop. Yeah, yeah. This okay. is this is New, this is New York, New York, not West New York, New Jersey. <laughs> Shout out Hudson County. All right. Well, hopefully we have something better to talk about next week. Maybe we'll have some more positive news to report out of Yankee Land. Uh, that's all for now, folks. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh B E S N Y. You can follow Alec at Alec underscore Monte Calvo. Uh, how are the Rangers doing right now? I just gave up a goal to the Islanders, so they're losing one nothing. Terrible goal to give up by Yaroslav Halak. This team is pissing me off a bit. It's just Sturkin hurt. No, they played last night against Colorado. So oh, that's that right. Part, yeah, that's though, right. Which they also like that. Lost. I saw that. Yeah, the loss in the shootout. This this team is, is has been sloppy and it's pissing me off because like they're playing good enough to win, but they're not doing enough of the small details to cement the win. So what would we have how would you feel if the Giants weren't playing so well? 
Yeah, I I would probably just be miserable. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we have something happier to talk about. The Yankees probably. I don't know. It's the most abusive relationship in sports. Let's just call it call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I wasn't such a passionate sports fan. And I'm going to say this right now. You, if Judge walks, you're not renouncing your fandom. I'm putting that out there right now. You will not renounce your fandom. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I'm right. Yeah. I, I, well, cause like now I've convinced myself that letting him walk will be the best thing to do to write the ship. But I mean, I, I, I can't take the, the, bullshit losers mentality that this organization has been peddling to its fans i i, I can't it's embarrassing i right? will say i will say this much losing judge would be a wake-up call a much needed wake-up call to the yeah. front office and hopefully it's not too brutal a wake-up call anyway thanks for listening folks and uh we will see you next week